Hey guys, we just finished shooting our latest episode with Adhishree. This was fun. It's one of the more introspective episodes. She thinks in very interesting ways about her career, which spans economics and business and design and education and many more things. I think you'll have fun listening to it. We're doing cool work at Hushal. Check us out at www.hushal.in. Hi, Adishri. <laughs> Hi, Aditya. What's up, bro? <laughs> good, good. It's um, it's good to be back in the city. I've been away for a, for months now. Yeah. So I did the usual um, complaining about how the weather doesn't match up to Bangalore's weather. So good to be back. To a hot day, though. And you were in Pune. Yeah, I was home uh, for a month, so that was nice. Pune was home for a while, man. For us, three years. Yeah. Oh man, it's changed. It's changed. Yeah, we were there what ten years? We were there ten years ago. Ten years, two thousand nine to two thousand twelve. Yeah, right yeah. now it's covered in a layer of dust because of metro work. But yeah, there are little the nooks and crannies are still there, so it's good. Oh, mm. cool. Um, speaking of two thousand nine, you did undergrad in two thousand seven. Yes, great segue. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was around then. And you um, went to Simbi too. Yeah, she yeah. went to Digital in the house. Yeah, Simbi yeah, 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 yeah. trio. Simbi uh, Pune. You went to. Uh, yes. You did econ. Tell econ. us a little bit about. Actually, hang on. Before we jump into each each part, uh, will you just summarize um, your career for us? Just the big moves in like maybe a minute, and then we'll dive into each one. Um, sure. So very CV-ish like, um, you know, did my undergrad in Pune, Symbiosis, majored in economics, uh, but also was part of the first cohort of liberal arts. So that was a diploma offered then. Now it's a full degree. Um, post that, I chose to study business. So I went to the University of Edinburgh and did um, a master's in international business. Post that, um, in fact, it was... I think one of the career fairs, and I bumped into Teach First, which was Teach for India's UK kind of equivalent. So, thought that was interesting. I looked up Teach for India, and um, I said, okay, why not give it a shot? This is which year? This was 2010, right? So, applied and all of that, and um, you know, was so sure that I was going to get in. And not many people know this, but I was on the waiting list. Um, but it was like literally a 10 minute waiting list because I got an email saying you're on the waiting list. And I'm like, of course, and we'll get into why that of course happened. Um, but then in 10 minutes, I got like a confirmation. Wow. Um, so I was like, so okay. we have all three uh, options. We have a straight acceptance. Yeah. We have a wait list and we have a rejection. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. We are the life cycle right here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then um, I was like, okay, this is great. I will, don't... You, will you summarize Teach for India in like two lines just for everyone who's like listening and watching that doesn't know Teach for India? Um, I think it was exhaustingly life-changing. Okay. Um, because I think both those words featured in equal parts in those two years. Um, so yeah, I would summarize it like that, the fellowship. And it's a two-year teaching fellowship. It's a two-year teaching fellowship. You're placed in um, a government or an aided or a low-income private school. Um, and, you know, you're just thrown in. Um, you 
you tend to be the class teacher if you're teaching a lower grade. And I taught grade two. I had 61 students. Wow. Um, we didn't have desks and chairs, uh, which was actually, it made sense because then we all had space. Um, so yeah, and, and you know, I was just teaching them everything, including Marathi. Um, and um, yeah, and we did that for two years. Um, and post that, I chose to stay back with the organization because I just felt, you know, it was a great mm-hmm. place to learn. And then um, did that for about five, six years, and then moved into um, the world of design and communications um, with uh, an agency, again, working specifically with social impact organizations. Did that for a year and a half, and then that's where I met my current organization, and right now I lead communications for a global nonprofit. Yeah, and you do a bunch of other things in the design space. Yep, that's just Monday to Friday. <laughs> There's a whole bunch happening Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I'd love to dig into just um, yeah. what happens on Saturday, Sunday. As as simple as that. <laughs> um, in between naps and cooking, um, I also run a food website. So it's called Table Talk. Um, and it's essentially a place where we can really explore how personal histories and you know stories of places can be told through the lens of food. Mm. Um, so growing up, I was fascinated by history, but I, al- I always felt like the route into that was only through dates and wars and, you know, monarchies. And I felt that, you know, food is an interesting sort of route into understanding history. So that's what we're exploring. So give me an example, like what, like give me an example of a food and what's the history associated. How do you, how do you get a sense of history from that? So, yeah, so so one of the sections is kind of playing with the idea that um, everybody can tell um, a story and specifically based on, you know, their personal history. So, you know, we spoke to folks who um, were from Bombay and, you know, in any other conversation, it would be, you're from Bombay, great, let's move on. Mm. Um, but they came from, you know, the Bene Israeli community. Um, and so they would talk about, oh, you know, I actually make bhindi like this. Mm. And so you're like, okay, why do you make bhindi like that? Um, And then, you know, you'd get into it and then you realize of, you know, how bhindi came to India. Why was it cooked in a certain way? Why do they put like coriander on top of it? Because that's such a Maharashtrian thing to do. But Mm. that's how, you know. So how bhindi is prepared gives you a sense of. Exactly. And then slowly, you know, the minute you start, you have that one conversation and then you kind of look back at all the conversations you've had and you you look at your plate of food. Um, and you realize that there's so much to learn about just, first of all, India, um, but also just how people kind of shaped their lives and, you know, identities around it. So that's one way that we're exploring food and storytelling. Um, we're also exploring the art of recipe telling. So that was something that we did last, um, the last kind of segment was around that. Um, you know, it's an underrated form of storytelling. South Asians don't mm-hmm. have like, 500 grams of this and 250 grams of that. I mean, of course they do, but you know, at it's a potluck. Like, yeah. I mean, if you, if you ask your mom, how do you make that? Yeah. She's going to be like, take a couple of onions, yeah. add a little bit of salt. And then if you're in the mood, do this. Yeah. Um, so we played around with that idea because there's, you know, there's a charm to that as well. Not everything needs to be prescriptive. And through that, we kind of unpack like relationships, inheritance, who gets to inherit what, from whom who holds the responsibility of inheritance and stuff like that. Right. So that's a lot for a Saturday and Sunday. Cool. Um, Adishri, so sounds like um, you've had, sounds like you've had three distinct phases in your career. I think the first one's like econ and business. I don't know if you'd put that together. So let me know if you'd do that together. 
Then you have um, sort of social impact and education. And I think you're, I know you're still in education and looking at sort of communication, but I think there's almost this third phase that sort of starts to go into like design and more of communication. Um, just walk us through maybe the transitions. Would you say those are three distinct phases in your career and why the switch and, you know, we're called switch. So I'm very curious to sort of figure out, uh, do you consider them distinct phases, how you switched from one to the other? Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about this and, you know, it's always easier to kind of bucket things because it just feels neat and tidy. Right. And I, I almost look at it as, you know, one bucket on top of the other with like a hole at the bottom. So it's like you're flowing through, like the water is flowing through all three. Um, and I don't know if that's too, too dramatic uh, <laughs> visual. Uh, but because, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I didn't think of design and communication before right now. Like mm -hmm. I felt like I always thought about it and I always thought about it as a tool versus like a, domain by itself. Um, and, I, and I think I carried that across all the other sort of phases, like you kind of pointed out. Um, but yeah, I think initially there was, and, and that understanding was not there. Again, you know, connecting the dots backwards. I think that's what it was. Um, and maybe I would move to something else after this, and I wouldn't necessarily look at it as a separate thing. I would still take sort of that sensibility along. Um, so it's like more of a sensibility that cuts through all of these pieces. Um, but yeah, I think initially with economics, you know, it was just the usual, I'm done with science. You know, so many of your life decisions earlier is like based on what you can't do, yeah. right? Like it's not just... Moscow, I think was that for me. Too. Yeah, it's like I just couldn't do it. Like I just didn't see myself being good at it. You know, like, so that was important to me. Like I had to do something that I could be really good at. Um, and I felt like that's not happening. And so um, it was almost like I picked BA because it allowed me to do everything else. Um, so it was a great canvas, which meant both from time and content perspective. So, you know, I actually, you know, symbiosis. So I actually went to college probably three hours a day. And then the rest, I would spend six hours learning German, right? Have I ever used German ever again? No. <laughs> But it was like I thrived in that place. So I did six hours of German for three years, um, for two years. And in my third year, I did liberal arts. So mm. the BA was almost like just, you know, it's going to get me a degree. It was fine. Like some parts were interesting. But there was just so much um, pressure for me to make it interesting for myself rather than the teacher, you know, bringing it to life and those kinds of things. So it was like on the side. Um, I loved German. I loved, you know, liberal arts allowed me to just, you know, do all of the questioning that you need to do during those years. Um, so it was great. And then business school was a means to just sort of get out. It, so it was a very interesting course around emerging markets. So we were actually 64 of us from 62 nationalities. Ooh. So it was super, super diverse. Um, and my dad and I joke around. He's like, where did that degree come to use? And I'm like, I made great friends. And, you know, it seems like a really expensive endeavor to make great friends. But, you know, they've just shown up in life after that. Like, you know, with Table Talk, I have four of their stories. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do today, like communications, you know, two, three of them are in that space. So we chat all the time. Um, and so I think that was a really interesting experience that kind of opened up 
a whole bunch of ways of thinking about education and learning. Um, and so, yeah, so I think those couple of years, like while they kind of seem one phase, mm. there were like million phases within it. Um, so, yeah, so I think that was phase one. Yeah, I think, so funnily, I don't know, I just actually, I was home, right? So there was a lot of like looking back at um, how annoying Adhishri was growing up. Mm. Um, and my mom reminded me of, so after I finished grade 12, I really wanted to do design. Right, because that, like I said, like that was always alive, and it was great that I could actually do a course that allowed me to, you know, whatever, take it to the next level. And I, I don't want to mention the institutes, but I, I, I applied to all of them, right? Like whatever was there in two thousand seven, I guess I applied everywhere. And there was this one, you know, you get prompts so that they check like how you interpret things and stuff like that. So one of the prompts was um, roller coaster. Right. And it was like this open hall and we were all there and we had like clay and post-its and stuff like that. And people were going like nuts. Right. Like their interpretation was crazy. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to build an actual roller coaster. Right. Because like everybody is like getting meta and really, you know, like this is my life and my life has been a roller coaster, etc. So I built a roller coaster. Came out very pleased with myself, like nailed it. Right. And obviously didn't get through. Um, and so, and I think of that moment as just this moment that kind of defined this, you know, thing in me that said that somebody said you're not ready for something or you're not good enough for something. And so that's it. You've got to move on. And I felt like that played such a huge role initially. Mm. And it does for a lot of people, right? Like you need that external validation to say if you're good. And most of the times it's this institute that tells you. Um, and so much of it is because it's, it's like a standardized process that you just have to follow through with. Um, and I think like going, like just looking back at like the career so far, a lot of it has been that, right? Like seeking validation at every point and that the, like receiving the validation or the lack of it kind of is a milestone, right? So you get a job, it's a validation that becomes a milestone. You get rejected from something that becomes a milestone. And so there's this, there's this need to get away from that definition of milestone in my like forties, right? You know, which is coming up pretty soon to say like, you know, I will decide where the phase begins and where it ends, um, versus like a lot of the stuff that has defined it so far. Um, and I think snapping out of that is really hard because that validation is important to just get ahead, to climb that ladder, all of that. Um, I think, so looking back, I think that's been my biggest reflection. Like, how can I make those milestones that differentiate phases about me moving on from one thing to another mm. versus somebody else saying, this phase is done for you. Now move on. Um, so I think, yeah, that that's something that's pretty alive for me right now, you know, mid-30s, thinking about what the rest is going to look like. Um, That's pretty deep. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I mean, just holding on to that thought, yeah. what really matters to you from a value standpoint? Looking ahead, like you've seen like what's happened all yeah. of this time and now you've like probably developed a value system that is in place and it's probably going to define the way you think about your career for the next yeah. sort of 10 years, right? Yeah. So what's, what's that going to look like? And what are those values? I think I value autonomy a lot. Like it's important for me to have space in, you know, wherever I am, because I think like... So is that more than an understanding boss or 
or understanding yeah. manager yeah yeah like and so and i think a lot of the times design communications actually gives you that hmm. to some extent because you know you're just i think because it's you can't define that function as much so mm. you like by default get that space the minute it gets super defined then it gets tricky mm. so i think autonomy openness is really important um i think also just like working with kind and reasonable people i feel like it seems very silly to say that out mm. loud but mm. i just think it's so important i think like i don't even think about competence as much as i think about kindness and just like reasonable people I think those two things are really really important to me because I know that I want to move, you know, sectors, careers, roles, etc. so I can't hold on to some of those domain specific things. But I feel like tomorrow if I want to be, you know, a ceramic artist, I want to be able to have, you know, right. the space and to just work with kind and reasonable people. Right. So I think yeah. from a value perspective those are the main yeah ones. then of course you need money and stuff yeah. like that but yeah <laughs> from a value perspective that's what it is um uh, one last question before we move to the rapid fire from you cool sounds good um this i didn't know before even though i've known you for a while which is that you considered design even when you were like 18 i yeah. think i thought that it was maybe a more recent interest um Tell me about how come you never studied design? Has that something that's like crossed your mind? It sounds like you might really enjoy. I think what a design school has to offer. Like, have you considered it? Yeah. Like how? How have you thought of that? So, um, I don't think I take rejection very well to begin with, right? Like I, um, yeah, it's like it. Um, Yeah, approval is very important to me and so the lack of it is like I can just switch off, right? And so the rejection in those early years when I was trying to find my way um kind of set in that thing that okay, maybe you can do it if somebody lets you eventually, but school is out because you're just you know, you haven't got through so you're not good enough. Um and so I literally just sort of boxed that in to say that's never happening. um and then i think recently when i wanted to shift i considered it a little bit but then now there's this you know really empowering mindset of just work you know work mm. and learn um versus the whole get into school get a degree because you know if it's not going to open a door that's you know currently closed for me it doesn't make sense yeah um and so now it's a lot of like how can i like bag roles and opportunities that allow me to learn something that i don't know right now in that space um and i've been very lucky that people have been trusting in that matter um and i think it's about again being able to communicate what you can do when your cv can't got it because nothing on my cv says design and comms uh except this current role yeah. um and so i think it's about then it's that narrative building a little bit that you have to do which requires reflection and stuff um i think that's fascinating like i think um it sounds like I think what I take away maybe from this chat is I'm um, I think mostly through this podcast which is curious to hear about how people are making career decisions and why they're making it and it sounds like I think for you um autonomy seems really important so it's like I think you're optimizing for that um I think um you want to work with really nice kind people yeah. like just nice people to work with 
And then I think the third thread almost seems to be um, to not put anything in a box that the whole thing just sort of flows. Yeah. Um, and that sounds like that's that's how you've made your decisions. And that's also how you'll probably make your decisions in the future, which is that there isn't one moment or one instant. It's just the whole thing just sort of flows. Would you add anything to it, like in terms of just unpacking your career decision making, the criteria, just what's important to you? Yeah, I think that's actually summarized pretty well. And I was thinking about like even, you know, the word switch, right? Like it has this connotation of like on and off, right? And while it it makes sense in terms of, you know, moving from one thing to another, um, there wasn't an off state, Hmm. right? Like it was on throughout. Um, and I think sometimes that's important to keep in mind because then you tend to look back and say, I wasted my time studying that yeah. or I wasted those two years doing something that I'm not using right now. Like there's this need that all the tools in my toolbox have to be used together at the same, same time, time all the time. Um, and so like, you know, yeah, like where do you speak German? Yeah. I yeah, it's can Deutsch expression, but like I don't use it, right? Like I don't need to. I'm in like Jainagar fourth block. Like I don't need to use German. But if you throw me into Germany with like an old lady who can't speak anything, I will, right? Or if you're on a podcast with uh, this other, <laughs> the two people in HSR layout that speak German are both on this podcast. Do you remember? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> genau, genau. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Germany for a couple of years and it was a challenge, to be honest. Yeah. I only learned enough German to be able to pick up the vegetarian dishes from the from Useful, the very useful. But uh, yeah, that's it. I know I know all the German vegetables for sure. Yeah. Well, I learned it from really, really like conservative Maharashtrian women in Pune. Yeah, you, so. you'll be fine. We, I think we're both good to go. Okay, on that exciting note, we have to move to the rapid fire are you ready yeah and uh, do you expect a hamper this is the first season so we're a little low on budget so maybe even the second season when you come in you will get a hamper for sure wow okay that's the narrative we're going <laughs> okay okay <laughs> all right we're back for the rapid fire yes um I'll do the first question. Yeah, we have six questions. Go for it. Go. Okay, first question. If you could be a thought leader in education, in design, or in food, which one would you pick? Design. Over food? Yeah. Okay, so but then the second question is a food one. If your (laughs) life, okay, somebody uh, had to write a biography in your life about your life, but and they had to like describe your life in one dish. What is that one dish and why would it be called that? Uh, I think I'd pick a faluda. A faluda, okay. Um, Go ahead, explain that. It's, it's, it's a, a mix. It's a bunch of things. It's a bunch of random things. Um, I love it. It's got a nostalgic thing to it. And uh, yeah, it's fun. Okay. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great one. If there was a hamper, you would win it for that one. But Go ahead. <laughs> can buy me a faluda after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is a thought or a belief that you had in your 20s that you've changed now? Mm, I can't do this. 
I've changed that. There's a lot that I can do. Um, and uh, basing decisions from that point versus what I can't do and then picking what's left over. That's beautiful. Okay. Since you've had a bunch of uh, jobs in the social sector, one skill that you really need to thrive or slash survive in the sector? Oh man, you need so many. Okay, pick two, uh, three, pick two, whatever comes to your mind. I think the ability to listen, um, also between the lines, sort of that kind of listening, listening to the unsaid and the unheard, that type of stuff, to be able to then make sense. I think so the sense making and the listening go together. And I think that's something that I'm fascinated by. And I get to do that a lot in my role. And I think that's um, a really, really undervalued skill. Like not many people have that. Mm -hmm. So listening and sense making. Okay. Is that also like being perceptive? Is, is that what? Um, I mean, I, that, uh, I'd be hesitant to say that because that kind of, in my head, at least the way I understand that word is you're kind of projecting what you think onto that hmm. kind of situation. Um, and so therefore, like the sense making has to be deeply rooted in listening. So, you know, you're not talking over people's stories or people's thoughts all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that, but maybe being perspective perceptive means the same thing but to me it has this connotation of what like projecting what you already think is supposed to happen onto a current situation or a way to move forward cool do you want to do the next one because i'll do the okay the last question for me okay you have a million dollars you could build anything you want to build anything any sector any industry what would you build Oh, I think I definitely build a space of learning that, again, is not sort of like bucketed, boxed, phased one, two, three, milestone one, two, three. That, that kind of mimics a lot mm. of like what I feel of the flowing thing. So definitely a, it's got to be great looking, first of all. Um, great colors. Wow, I can already see it come through. Like great colors, great aesthetics, great sofas. Um, but yeah, just a space where you come and learn whatever you want to at whatever stage um, and you do it in community. I think building something like that. Okay. Got it. Um, final question. What is advice that you would give uh, if you could go back in time to 20-year-old Adishri? is to not take advice from a 35-year-old because they know nothing of what your future holds, first of all, um, because that's all I did in my 20s. Um, yeah, I think, uh, gosh. One is, I think, to not take oneself so seriously. I think that kind of covers everything else. That's like a nice umbrella advice to give somebody. Just, you know, take, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I mean, value yourself and take care of yourself. But yeah, know that things change and you should allow yourself to just grow and evolve. Cool. That's powerful. Do you have final thoughts or comments or questions for us? 
Oh, I can't uh, you to ask me a question. No, no. Well, uh, that's all from us. Yay. Um, no, this was really good. And I think you should do this exercise with a lot of people, not just thinking about like their past selves, but also like sort of uh, moving. Looking. Yeah, like because you tend to be like, okay, you're now in your mid 30s. So this is it. But there's just so much scope to move things. So maybe there's something there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe but this is fun. Two. Cool. Season two. All right. Thank um, you. Keep Thank an you. eye out for season two, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Adishri, for joining Switch. Thanks, um, Nandan and Aditya. This uh, was fun. Um, tagline that he came up was, um, I keep forgetting it, crazy what? careers. Crazy. You're on the podcast. You have to know this. But yeah. it's just crazy career moves. Crazy career moves. Mm. Oh. But there's some crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Crazy career moves by crazy people in a crazy podcast. In a crazy podcast or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I can help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.